Good morning, everybody. So thank you, Luca, for the introduction, very generous introduction. I'm actually, I mean, you, I think you mentioned the, the research group, uh, uh, the ULB, the uh, Free University of Brussels research group I'm affiliated to, but I'm affiliated in Liège to the Center for Ethnic and Migration Studies, the CEDEM, but never mind, it's not a big issue. Um, and I, I, I work now in a new uh, research center at Guildhall School in, in London, but I'm still affiliated to, to CEDEM and doing research there. I've been doing um, for uh, seven, eight years research in CEDEM, I, and, I'll, and I hope I will, I will continue this uh, relationship with Marco and the uh, research group there. So thank you for the introduction. Thank you for organizing this. Um, so uh, I just have to mention that I was supposed to present with, uh, with Marco, with Marco Martiniello today, but he couldn't make it. So probably my presentation will, will be a little bit shorter than the others you've had, but uh, it's not a big issue. We can have a coffee break earlier. Um, uh, so very briefly, uh, what I want to, uh, to outline today is uh, a few points we worked on, me and Marco. Uh, in a piece uh, we published uh, on the, the conversation in early April, so full COVID emergency and um, lockdown. I, I think lockdown not everywhere, but in some of those countries which experienced uh, uh, the, the, the spread of the virus earlier, um, they were already locked down, like Spain or Italy, for example. So our idea was uh, um, to reason a little bit on the impact of COVID on, on uh, particularly on the refugee question in the broad sense. Uh, so it's something that was um, happening in that moment, but also uh, um, trying to give sort of a prediction on what the problems and the impact could have been in the following weeks and, and months as well. Um, so our idea was to consider two different dimensions to address this question. So um, the discourses and practices, as often happens in, in, in sociology of migration. Um, um, and we try to sum up uh, what was going on both in the political debate and uh, in terms of uh, civil society, in the civil society, just because uh, as you mentioned, we, we have been involved uh, uh, until the end of 2019 in the research uh, about public opinion and forms of mobilization concerning refugees in, uh, in Europe. We, we worked in uh, uh, Germany, Belgium, Sweden, uh, Italy, uh, Greece and Hungary. That was the six case studies. And, uh, and we focused on, on um, particularly on what we have called uh, the reception crisis, not the refugee crisis. We tried to change this label because our point has been to, to remark that at, you know, between 2015 and 2018, there's been a reception crisis, crisis of reception structures, crisis of governance, uh, um, and of course, an increase in the arrival of asylum seekers. But, um, but we prefer to, to, to look at what, what was going on in terms of uh, the capacity to receive uh, 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 those um, big, uh, big waves, big new, new waves of, of uh, asylum seekers. So, um, so what, uh, you know, concerning the, 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 the article we wrote uh, um, in April, um, what we, we, we put first in the article was, was this idea of shifting priorities 
uh, and um, peace in, 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 in both concerning the political context and uh, the civil society context. In political terms, we saw shifting in the agenda and also in the debates. Let's say that uh, those topic trends we, we had uh, before, uh, migration and refugees in particular, became a little bit less popular in the, in the debates uh, and were replaced by, by the, the, the emergency, the COVID emergency. So migration took a back seat in, in, the first, in the first moment and at least as an issue to be addressed, criticized, employed in the propaganda and eventually solved, although uh, that was not really the perspective of many governments during the reception crisis at least. Um, however, however, we saw, we noticed some, some, let's say, manipulation, some use or misuse of the, of the, the, the COVID emergency and uh, um, in, a, in, a, in a kind of, in a way that uh, uh, it was articulated that something sort of in, in somehow, somehow linked to migration. Uh, and that's the case of, uh, of course, Viktor Orban, who uh, uh, blamed foreigners uh, for the spread of the spread of COVID in in, in Hungary, which was uh, extremely limited at the time. Then the things changed, but at the time Hungary was one of the 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 the, the, the safest countries in Europe, let's say, in in terms of um, contagion. Uh, or, for example, also Donald Trump, who was seen several times speaking of uh, a foreign virus, Chinese virus, so framing the emergency as something somehow linked to the movement of people. And another, another interesting, interesting case we mentioned in the article is the case of, uh, of a journalist, an Italian journalist, mainstream Italian journalist, one of the the most powerful in terms of uh, leading the public opinions. Bruno Vespa is, is, a, uh, is an old uh, journalist. He has um, as a, a live show on, on, on the national broadcast going on for 30 years. He's a, he's a big name of, uh, of the, the, the public uh, sphere in Italy. And the first thing he did when everything started was to, to point out that emergency, that that's just his opinion, not my opinion, of course. Emergency that the NGO was not doing anything for for COVID, that which was completely untrue, because they were active in supporting the hospital staff and and doctors during the, the pandemic, pretty much everywhere in Italy. And and he said, okay, you do all what you do for migrants, and you don't do anything. You don't make move for for us when there's a big emergency. So just to say that even in mainstream journalism, and not only from those uh, 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 quite extreme and anti-migration politicians, uh, um, there was this like using a little bit, being uh, 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 ambiguous uh, uh, between the use, in, in the use of the COVID uh, uh, element in the public debate connected to the migration element. Uh, well, politically, we, we tried also a little bit to sketch out very briefly what was going on in terms of uh, measures taken on migration uh, uh, during, during the, the pandemic. And the general thing that can be said is that governments started 
in increase the attention on the border control. So we, we saw this, this uh, uh, closing in of countries increasingly intensifying and uh, involving not just, uh, for example, in Europe, external uh, migrants, uh, so non-EU migrants, but also uh, um, people from, from uh, countries within the Union and in some, in some cases, like in Italy, for example, but also in, in Austria or in other, in other countries, uh, we saw internal border, borders between regions uh, being uh, reinforced. Uh, um, uh, so, uh, um, migration-wise, and in particular on, on, the, on the refugee question, we saw uh, uh, countries trying to, to reduce, as usual, uh, or even to stop uh, uh, the um, stop refugees coming to to uh, to to the country, and these in in a in in a way that is the way that they always they always decide to take. So uh, stopping asylum uh, uh, asylum applications, which is something that may work on the bureaucratic level, but it may, it obviously don't, don't doesn't work on on the practical level uh, um, so germany for example but also belgium uh, uh, stopped uh, my uh, asylum asylum applications for an, an indefinite period of time uh, this until uh, the pandemic uh, uh, was taking too long so a big issue uh, for for countries for example like italy or spain uh, 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 came up the, the, the lack of uh, workforce in, in, in some, some sectors, like for example, the agricultural sectors. So, uh, so we saw some, some idea in the debate, some insights uh, uh, um, uh, um, to, to grant uh, temporary, uh, uh, temporary visas to those migrants involved in the sector. So let's say that during COVID, we saw the same trends we normally we normally see in in the, in the refugee in the refugee issue politically being concentrated in a short time and being uh, let's say uh, exposed to to a more more evident dimension so a little bit uh, a, a mirror function uh, empowered by by the pandemic. Uh, so the second, the second uh, axis we, we have taken, so the one concerning uh, practices, is, uh, um, is something we addressed uh, uh, mostly, if not completely, on uh, the dimension of the, the, the civil society. As uh, there was a big, big, uh, there were big, big, there was big impact of COVID and especially uh, of the measures to fight COVID on the activity of, uh, of, uh, um, of the civil society and the involvement of people in the refugee, in the refugee question. And this has, has, has showed if, you know, any, uh, any, any uh, more uh, uh, demonstration was needed that uh, uh, the system, the reception system is still uh, extremely fragile because it is um, based on on the, the, the involvement of, uh, of uh, actors that, that operate in, 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 a, in an informal environment most of the times, except for, for the cases where civil society was able to constitute organizations. And still in that case, we see uh, a very precarious 
precarious context, precarious way to operate uh, um, for those people and uh, activists and collectives and organizations involved in very important activities uh, for the reception and integration of asylum seekers. In our, in our research, so the book that was mentioned uh, before by Ludger is uh, pretty much focused on this, we kind of tried to, to, to tell something about these movements that uh, started in 2015 and some, some were already there and just changed their, their perspective of action. But uh, uh, we basically uh, uh, highlighted the fact that uh, we are not just talking about uh, 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 first aid or uh, a solidarity perspective, uh, uh, but we talk about concrete, uh, uh, concrete role in the in the reception of of uh, uh, asylum asylum seekers. I personally focused on the Belgian context, so I can I can say that uh, the collectives, the organisations, and we we have uh, we have uh, collected data on on different organisations, for example. Brussels refugees is one of the most probably most famous. Um, they they were part of the reception network. They were considered by those institutional uh, actors. In in Belgium, we have two main actors: the the federal federal department for asylum, which is uh, the acronym is FEDASIL, and its main partner is the Red Cross. Uh, talking about collective reception centers, uh, this is something that needs to be to be be probably uh, said, um, they, they, they uh, uh, sort of, uh, they considered and still considered activists and uh, groups, organizations from the civil society as an integral part of, of the network. They do activities with them and they know that they, 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 they wouldn't be able to, to provide uh, uh, many services to, uh, to the migrants. Uh, without the help, without the integration, the, 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 the substantial role of uh, uh, civil society organizations. And we also looked at outside reception centers in those sites characterized by uh, the concentration of, of migrants, but without any structures. In, in Belgium, what's quite famous, the case of uh, the, the, um, the, the North Station, Brussels North Station, where there was a big concentration, but there are many cases in Europe, uh, from Calais to, to, um, to, uh, to uh, the Malmo station and many other, other cases. So we looked at those places where <laughs> civil society organizations was, were even more important because no, no institutional support is, is provided. So almost everything is uh, on, the, on, the, on the shoulders of, uh, of the civil society actors there. Uh, so what, going back to, to my, my topic and the article, uh, so what, what we have noticed, of course, is, is a stop, a halt, uh, an interruption of many services and activities due to uh, um, confinement and social distancing measures. Uh, on one hand, we saw a different kind of mobilization or better 
similar mobilization, but concentrated on the, 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 the question of the regularization of irregular migrants. So activists who couldn't uh, actually help materially, they started to mobilize for uh, asking governments to uh, regularize uh, uh, irregular migrants. And in some cases, this worked. Like, for example, in Portugal, where there was a, a temporary uh, regularization granted to all, uh, all undocumented migrants. Um, but as I said, practices had to stop. Uh, and for the first reason was that reception centers, collective reception centers, but also individual structures, closed completely to the outside. So the activists, but I, I, I call them activists, but we can call them uh, workers or uh, facilitators or any other uh, identification of a person working, helping in a specific, in specific sector, which is the one of the reception of asylum seekers. So those people couldn't get into the structures. So they couldn't basically do anything. Uh, um, in, in, and this because they were... They, were, they are not recognized, officially recognized as, as uh, uh, an element, an integral part of, of the reception center itself. What, for example, Red Cross uh, uh, operator, Red Cross people or Federsil people are uh, um, recognized as such. Uh, so we saw um, basically three different cases uh, uh, um, uh, that can sort of give us the, the specific uh, idea of, of what was of what the impact of COVID nineteen was on 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 practices uh, of the civil society. So, firstly, they as I say they stopped. Uh, secondly, uh, um, practices were were uh, transformed and started to be conducted in, in alternative sites. So, in those cases where, uh, for example, uh, the informal uh, sites have been I've mentioning before the the note session. Those cases where there was no structure to control the movement of people, uh, the forms of solidarity shifted in terms of the site where these were happening. And we have had many cases of people organizing in private spaces the, the reception uh, and giving support to refugees privately in their in the, uh, homes or uh, uh, squatting places or even uh, asking uh, like small companies to to give them the space they they, they didn't use during the, the emergency for uh, for setting up a site of reception uh, uh, and then we saw a third a third trend which was probably the most uh, uh, I don't have data so I cannot say the most uh, the most evident or, or the most uh, 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 um, the, the one which was more, mostly taken by, by activists and, and uh, the civil society organization. But uh, it, it was probably the most visible. Uh, um, and I, when I say visible, I don't talk about mainstream information, of course, but mostly those uh, channels and networks that are used by, by a civil society organization, including social media. Um, so what was really interesting was to see a change in the, in the uh, uh, let's say, target group uh, uh, of the, the, uh, the, the, the activity of, of the civil society organizations. Uh, more than change, I would say, uh, a broadening of the target group. So if 
many organizations were conceived uh, for uh, uh, taking care for, uh, of, 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 the, of the refugee question. They, during COVID, they changed, they, they broadened their action and uh, uh, um, going towards social aid in general uh, uh, for the population, the generalized population, including refugees and asylum seekers, but not just limited to them. Uh, uh, um, so we saw food chains, we saw uh, even the production of masks, for example, was something that uh, was, was really, really interesting to, to see how many groups uh, which, which were before involved in reception of, of asylum seekers started to mobilize and to be active in the production of masks, private production, handmade production of masks, or in, in the provision of food for those who couldn't work, those people who couldn't uh, have a salary. Uh, 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 so they sort of transformed their activities. Uh, um, so we, 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 we liked to see this as, as a shifting in priorities in the positive sense, of course, compared to the shifting in priorities with uh, of, of the, the political and the governmental uh, uh, context. Uh, and one last, one last uh, point we addressed in the article, and with this I, I conclude my short, my short uh, presentation, uh, was uh, um, an increase of, of collective fear, social fear. And this, this was, something that at the time, but still now, is fueling xenophobia, uh, of course. Um, in Greece, it, it started in Greece, and it, we need to mention that when COVID started, so talking about the end of February in Europe, uh, we had very tense relationships between Greece and Turkey, uh, uh, and uh, migrants continued to, to uh, overload uh, the hot stop, the hot spots, you know, the so-called hot spots in uh, on the Greek islands, um, and in 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 areas where uh, before there have been many many examples of solidarity from the uh, the population in in, in the, the Greek islands, we started to see strong change with an evident uh, change in the public opinion. People started to to protest against uh, hot spots. Um, um, in a way that was probably not the same way we saw the extreme right protesting. Uh, but then we, we also, you know, remarked that many groups, many, many uh, far-right groups from Germany, from, from, uh, uh, from, from Hungary, from Austria, even from Italy, um, going to Greece and kind of um, uh, uh, pushing up, feeling the, the, the protest and um, you know with, with the really instrumental approach and uh, um, um, so to, to detriment of course of uh, social engagement and, and solidarity in those spaces uh, and it, it's, it, it was quite clear how you know right-wing arguments could take advantage of the, the radical shift in priorities of, of uh, uh, that was was happening because between the political, the political uh, sphere and the civil society, you have the public opinion. So, uh, um, some, you know, uh, it, it was, it's been in the beginning of the crisis, very hard time 
Uh, and still now there's this, um, in some countries, especially, and here I talk about Italy, for example, there's a strong, strong idea uh, of uh, um, um, uh, um, controlling the, the way citizens are respecting or not the, the, the um, social distancing or confinement or any other measures decided to fight COVID. Um, so this, this shifting of priorities sometimes has created uh, social hierarchies, has reinforced social hierarchies. Um, so we, we were kind of uh, uh, worried about in the article about the fact this could um, uh, you know the situation of stress, anxiety, isolation uh, um, could be could be even you know could increase the reactions could could, could make then then worse in terms of uh, uh, how people could react to the violation of the confinement measures uh, if done by uh, by migrants. Uh, 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 you know, <clears throat> we say that we say that any violation to anti-contagion rule would be seen as unacceptable if done by, even more if done by, by migrants. Uh, uh, and any, any, any concession, any, any special measure uh, uh, taken by the governments for helping or giving uh, you know, support to migrants would have been seen as a privilege to the detriment of national security. Uh, so hostile re reactions were, uh, were uh, <clears throat> you know, just outside our, our door. Uh, uh, so we were kind of uh, thinking about this form of uh, nationalistic egoism that could be, you know, uh, uh, um, could, could uh, draw with, with COVID emergency and the pandemic. So all those slogans like, uh, you know, Britain first, La France d'abord, or uh, Prima Italiani, you know, could become uh, even, even stronger in the public opinion. So it's, uh, I think that's uh, pretty much all. It's uh, half past 10, so I'm, you know, happy about my timing. So thank you for... Okay. Thank you very much, uh, Alessandro. I think this was very, very um, updated and interesting and at the same time connecting to the study uh, you already did. Uh, and published and uh, submitted to us and uh, many of the master course students read uh, the first chapter of your book that you sent us. Yeah? Uh, because uh, I understood that it's mainly um, um, filling a gap in my many, much of migration studies that only focus on the individual level of migration trajectories or destinies, etc. Uh, or on the uh, governance structures at the national and macro level. And you try to combine and to introduce systematically civil society activities, public discourse and social practices. So I think this is very timely and very, very innovative to a certain extent in, in migration studies. Um, uh, do you have, well, I, I would like, uh, perhaps we first we uh, ask uh, all the students to put questions and comments and then um, if there's time I also have, would have one question. 